HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello and welcome to Cutting the Curd. This is Greg Blaze recording live on the Heritage Radio Network from Roberto's Pizza in Bushwick. Uh, Before we begin in earnest, I have a quick public service announcement. Don't forget that this Friday, October 23rd, is the last day to fill out the Cheese Coalition's Raw Milk Cheese Consumption and Attitude Survey. As the FDA reassesses its stance on raw milk cheese, this is a really easy way to make your voice heard as the Cheese Coalition gathers data for the FDA's request for info on consumer attitudes. So just go to cheeseofchoice.org and fill out that survey. So on today's episode, we're going to talk all about Wisconsin and specifically about the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board's most recent cheese tour. I'm happy to have a couple of guests today that are on that tour. Um, first off, I have... Um, Heritage Radio head honcho uh, <laughs> and engineer Jack Inslee, um, who traveled with a bunch of cheese people through Wisconsin. How are you today, Jack? I'm great, man. I'm thrilled to be on the show. First time on Cutting the Curd uh, on mic. Nice. I've, yeah. I've been away for a while, and it's really nice to be here, and it's really great to be here with you. Um, oh, thank you, man. And Roberta's Pizza. Um, and I'm also excited to have um, James Gentry on the line. We're going to get to James in a second. James is an amazing cheesemonger from uh, St. James uh, Cheese Company down in New Orleans. Um, and he is a, uh, the wholesale guy down there and also um, was the American Cheese Society's official cheesemonger and uh, just a generally a cheese stud who, uh, you know, who knows what he's doing and knows his stuff. Um, so I wanted to ask you, Jack, just before we got started, um, how was the trip for you? Uh, it was awesome, man. Like I, I now have a much deeper un- understanding and appreciation for what you do and uh, what Emily does and what Anne's done all these years and kind of the, 
the 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 whole cheesemonger thing. I mean, being surrounded by nothing but all star cheesemongers for a few days, it really kind of like taught me a lot about the craft. Yeah. So, what do you think about cheesemongers and cheese people in general? Are we sane? Are we insane? Are we tolerable? Intolerable? Definitely tolerable, <laughs> bordering on insane in in the best way possible. That's great. Uh, so the tour was just a couple days, right? It was. Yeah, we were we were there for. Uh, we got there Sunday afternoon, and we left uh, Tuesday afternoon. So, you know, kind of like two two days ish. Yeah, but I bet it seemed like a little bit longer and a little bit shorter than that, depending. Oh know? yeah, we covered a lot of ground. Yeah, you put on the miles. We sure did. So I want to introduce James Gentry. How are you doing today, James? I'm great, man. How are you guys? Um, I think we're pretty good. Yeah. Hey, Thanks so much for giving us a little bit of time to come on the show today. We really appreciate it. Not a problem, man. It's my day off. I can I can talk all day if you want. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> like, we got other shows, but, you know, I'd, I'd like to talk all day, too. I haven't been in here in a little bit. Um, so, uh, was this the first, uh, the first Wisconsin Milk Marketing Tour that you had been on, James? No, I went on one uh, three years ago, summer of 2012, when I was at Whole Foods, when they were trying to train us up before the first CCP exam. Uh, so I actually was there for a week, and we were studying at Babcock Hall, which is colloquially known as the uh, it's, it's, uh, it's the Center for Dairy Research at the University of Wisconsin. So we took all their short courses in a whole week. And then, I mean, throughout the day of taking these courses, we'd go on visits like, like the ones Jack and I did. And the only repeat visit I had was a chalet co-op this time, the, um, the Limburger Maker, which... It's fine by me. I love Limburger. I love going to see their facility. And I'm kind of a Limburger fanboy, so nice. uh, I didn't mind going there again at all. That's awesome. So, um, you know, as we know, Wisconsin is, you know, the cheese mecca or one of the cheese meccas of uh, America. You know, they have more skilled and licensed cheesemongers and uh, cheese makers than any other state. Um, and they produce over about 2.8 billion pounds of cheese each year. And uh, that's about a quarter of all of the domestic cheeses produced in the country are made in that state. Um, and those quantities continue to grow to meet the nation's demand for quality and variety. Um, there's a lot of places that make cheese in Wisconsin. So where did you guys go? Jack, where was the first place that you visited? The first place we went to was Raleigh's. Um, and we got to see some Dumbarton Blue up close in person. How was that? Awesome. I mean, that's I, I, that's one of the few cheeses I've had. I've had a bit here in New York, and I was wondering why it was. It's all over New York. If this is such a small Wisconsin dude, and uh, in the tour, he's telling us one of his first distributors was in Brooklyn, and uh, yeah, that probably be food matters again. I think uh, so. Yeah, Brad Dubay brought that brings that stuff in. The Dunbarton is really popular um, amongst cheesemongers in Brooklyn and amongst and amongst cheesemongers and uh, retailers everywhere. James, you guys carry that down there too, right? Uh, from time to time. Uh, we don't currently have it, but we've definitely had it in the past. And uh, I was pretty stoked to go. I hadn't, don't have much experience with that cheese, actually. Um, Me neither. It doesn't make that much. And distribution is kind of hard for us down here at times. But we usually go directly through the maker when we get his stuff. Um, that's just really the only way we can get it. Yeah. Just as an aside, I was wondering maybe if you could tell us a little bit about the operation that you uh, that you work with, uh, St. James Cheese. And just, and, you know, New Orleans is a place that... Uh, Amazingly enough, in all my travels, I've never been to, uh, but it's sort of like a holy grail of places that I need to get to before I, before I you know, kick it. And, uh, and I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about the St. James Cheese uh, shop and uh, what you do there, and also the relationship you know, between the city of New Orleans and cheese. So the St. James Cheese Company uh, has been around for almost 10 years. It was started by Rich and 
Richard and Danielle Sutton. Um, there's a really good story on, on our website, you know, about how they, you know, they met at Tulane College and and then, you know, moved, moved eventually moved to London and ran Paxton, Paxton Whitfield, which was a, like yep. a 200-year-old cheese shop in London. Uh, and then they wanted to open a cheese shop back in the United States and they chose New Orleans, you know, to go back to sort of where they met and, you know, and started their relationship. Um, so it started small. Um, we're still relatively small. We're about to open a new cheese cheese shop, restaurant, cheese bar thing. We'll all be running a cheese program. Um, and we do a lot of wholesale for restaurants. Uh, wholesale manager, uh, Chad Bourgeois, he's, he's got it down on lockdown. He's uh, guy's a guy's a machine. You know, he, used to, he used to work in a bunch of kitchens around here, and I'm just happy to help him out when I can. Um, and the relationship with cheese to, to New Orleans is difficult. Um, I haven't been here for, I've only been here for about three years. But from what I understand, from what I've been told, is that there really was no real relationship with cheese in New Orleans. Um, it's not really a dairy-producing state, never really has been um, in terms of commercial viability for dairy. Uh, you'll see little tiny cheese, like, you know, like, I don't even know what to call like nano cheese production and little uh, farmer's markets here and there. You'll see some guys with some goat cheese and stuff, but that's about it. And that's only occasionally. Um, so it, it, there, there was no relationship really until St. James kind of stepped into this cheese desert and made the relationship. So now, right. you know, most of the restaurants in town that have a cheese slate proudly say that they get their cheese from us. And uh, I'm happy to be part of that. I'm happy to be part of like the first generation of cheese in New Orleans. Yeah, it's awesome to pioneer stuff like that. It makes you feel good. And uh, what was the, your reaction? It must have been a stark difference when you were trolling around um, in Wisconsin and just being immersed in the dairy culture there. It must have been a little bit of a different, not a shock, but just a little bit of a different vibe for you. Well, uh, yes and no. I mean, I grew up in the Central Valley, California, and uh-huh. we were never more than one or two friends or family members away from someone who had a farm. Sure. Um, really good friend of our families, the Machados, had a dairy farm. And, you know, they would have parties and stuff out there. So being on an actual dairy farm wasn't that weird. And being on a farm wasn't that weird. But being in, like, a cheese-making facility for the first time, the first time I did, was, I don't know, it was kind of like seeing in motion all the things you've kind of had in your mind's eye. And you're like, you know, intellectually, I know how it's done. You know, I know that you pour the milk in the vat and you add the rennet and the black starters and all that. But then to actually see the mechanics of it, to see the machinery that does it, is—I'm not even going to say weird—but it's, it's like it's nice. It's nice to finally put all those pieces together into one sort of visual representation of all the things you've been thinking about. Yeah, that's and that's actually what I was going to ask you and Jack about, or just to speak to. I know that there's a sensory quality uh, to being there that you just you don't even get around the counter. Just this sort of sensory overload of being in the make room is pr- was pretty intense for me. I know, um, and you and I, James, have maybe been around that a little bit more than you, Jack. Uh, but uh, what did you think of the of the make room? You know. Well, I was surprised first at Raleigh's how small it was. Um, yeah. Tiny, like really, really tiny. And then uh, we moved over to Hooks, which is a little bit bigger. And we actually saw them breaking up curd by hand. They were making their Parmesan. And that I couldn't believe that it was such a manual process. Sure. Yeah, like just piece by piece by piece by piece in this huge vat, breaking up all these curds by hand. That kind of blew my mind. What, um, what was your 
Uh, James, what was your, your sort of like the highlight? Uh, what was the best maker or, or if you had one uh, that you visited while you were on the trip? Well, I mean, everyone's doing a great job up there. Um, of course. But, I mean, visiting Andy Hatch is probably, I mean, I've, I've met him a few times now. Um, maybe gun to his head, he might say we're friends. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, visiting Andy was great because most of the cheesemakers I've ever met are of a different generation than I am, Right. Andy is my generation. Sure. And I mean, I think, I think we're, we're like the same age, I think. And so to speak to him is to, is to speak to the future. And so I, I appreciate seeing Andy and talking to Andy because I think Andy and I are like sort of trying to do the same things. Like I'm a certain generation of cheesemonger and he's a certain generation of, of cheesemaker who are looking to the future. And we also communicate differently. Like, I can communicate with Andy better than I can communicate with someone who's, like, 55, 60 years old. Um, just, you know, just a generational thing. So, I mean, for instance, when we first went there, Andy was like, you guys don't need to see vats or make rooms, do you? You want to just talk about cheese? And we're like, oh, well, it's kind of your vats. I kind of want to see your stuff, though, dude. But, but he, he kind of understood that, you know, we've been around the cheese places, and we don't necessarily need to see all the mechanics of the stuff and uh, whereas the other guys are always, they're just giving their tour. They're giving their tour, they give to everybody. And this is not a knock on anybody at all. It's just a different kind of understanding of what we're all about as cheesemongers. And I think he understands that because he comes to CMI, the Cheesemonger Invitational, and he does these things. Whereas these other, the other older guys don't really know, I think, what's going on on the shop level the way someone like Andy does. Does that make sense? Yeah, and also, and, and because I, I've, I've toured around and I've seen industrial cheesemaking also is an intense process. I think that a lot of times those guys, when they're bringing in they'll, they'll, millions and millions of gallons of milk, um, you know, they're, they're at a, their heads are sort of in those vats. You know, they, they operate not in a, in a vacuum, but maybe they have less time, you know, to do those sort of things. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, do you know what I mean? Like, I, did you guys go and visit Klondike while uh, while you were out there? Um, the, we visited them. They're a big fe- like a feta producer and yogurt producer out there when I went, and uh, they had a massive operation. I actually dug the machinery because it's old school machinery. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's so, and and then the machinery is still run by people. Uh, I totally appreciate uh, the. The sort of hands and arms in the vat, and uh, Andy's farm is just is gorgeous. When you're there, you're sort of transported. It's just its own place, you know. Um, but yeah. I, but I, also, I like to talk to the old timers because the 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 old timers have this sort of attitude. Like I have is sort of like, yeah, we make cheese. What of it? You know, <laughs> you know, hundred percent. It's like the, the Limburger at Chalet. It was so freaking old world and awesome. Yeah. But but I also appreciate what you're uh, saying, James, because it's good to like when you. It's good to know your who your people are. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. good. It's well, and, yeah, and by you know, and you know, saying who is my favorite person to visit. Like I, you know, I have to extract that. Like it's not like it was like oh easy choice. It was it was great to see Andy, but it's you know I have to I have to you know I thought about that because I thought you guys might want to talk about that at some point. Like what was my favorite visit? But it's also the romance of his farm, like you're talking about, and. Me living in a flat swamp these days, any kind of elevation is beautiful <laughs> to me. And uh, so to just sort of hang out and do the the Von Trapp family thing and, and on the hills of his farm, <laughs> hanging out with his cows, sure, pretty great. Hundred um, percent. It was, and I have been to Klondike. Klondike is like it's it's a monster. It's, it's huge. It's that that place and the, the machinery is like 
uh, I believe that it's like uh, they imported like German machines. They did. Right? There's, there's like it a German camembert making machine. Germany, yeah. like, and so they were the only machines that could handle the curd gently enough to make yep. their feta. And at one point, I remember the machine got locked up. And yeah. the guy, the son who runs it, man, he had to like run and did like this Indiana Jones slide <laughs> yeah. underneath the line and like crawled up the machine and like there's buzzers going off and he's like fixes it real quick and then comes back down. And he's like, all right, where were we? I was like, this guy's amazing. Like, yeah. He knows every inch of this gigantic factory and it's so great. That's really that's the thing. Like, there, I I love to see the producers because there's you see that stark <laughs> contrast between farmstead artisan and industrial production, and and you realize that everything has its place. You know what I mean? Like I think that as cheesemongers, uh, we tend to be you know we gravitate towards we want to be able to say our the cheeses we're selling are farmstead, the cheeses we're selling are artisan, but industrial milk you know and cheese production if it's done in the right way is like a massive you know positive thing that generates dollars and support for everyone you know and and those guys being able to move all that milk through that facility and turn it into good cheese through all of that crazy willy wonka-esque machinery is pretty awesome to me you know i agree i agree so we're going to take a short break and uh then we're going to come back and talk more with uh, jack and james about their little cheese adventure thanks a lot The dairy farm families of Wisconsin and the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board are proud to underwrite Cutting the Curd on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Wisconsin cheeses have an illustrious heritage of more than 170 years of quality and craftsmanship. During this long and rich history, the art and science of cheesemaking have been captured in time-honored traditions that produce cheese varieties of unsurpassed excellence. Today, Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country. To learn more, visit www.eatwisconsincheese.com. Hello, and welcome back to Cutting the Curd. This is your host, Greg Blaze. I'm here with uh, Jack Insley and James Gentry. Um, so I wanted to uh, just sort of backtrack a little bit. I know we were talking about um, industry and artisan and, uh, and the trip in and of itself, um, but I wanted to reference the survey I mentioned at the beginning of, uh, of our show. Um, and I wanted to ask both of you guys, you know, if you learned anything new about the challenges or benefits of producing or eating raw milk cheese while you were in Wisconsin. Jack, what's up? Well, I'll say I did get to taste the Rush Creek that was like <laughs> fresh off the press two weeks uh, after being made. I know, I know, he dealt with some things with that, and um, it was nice to get to taste that so young. Yeah, but um, James, yeah, I don't know. What, what, we didn't really get too much into the discussion on raw milk there on the tour. No, we we, we didn't really because uh, I mean the only person making raw milk cheese was uh, was Andy. I think I don't think anybody else yeah. was making raw milk. Um, I mean, I, I think that we're all going to echo the same sentiment, though, that we, none of us think there's anything wrong with raw milk cheese. And if anything, it's, it's usually better than pasteurized versions of the same cheese. The only discussion we really did have about it that I remember was talking about, you know, sometimes you get that tingly burn in your mouth when you eat certain raw milk cheeses. And uh, we talked about why and how we don't really know why, but how Andy is saving all these samples from all his batches and he's got this, like, um, what I can't imagine is probably just an amazing backlog, like cheese sample library, and, and he freezes milk from each batch. But 
that was really it. We didn't really talk about it. I think because when you're, when you're amongst people like we had there, it's a foregone conclusion. You know, we all think that you should be able to age on wood, and we all think you should be able to have raw milk cheeses. So it's not like we're having to convince each other of this. You know, we'd rather, I think, talk about other things that we've already moved on from in our minds, I think, in a, in a certain light. 100%. But what about you as a consumer, Jack? What did you have, Do you have an opinion on that? Well, you can tell, <laughs> like James said, you can tell the difference, 100%. And I mean, like, I want it as a consumer, of course. Um, and And... I think one of the things that blew my mind is the subtle differences you can tell, like James was just kind of alluding to, day to day from a raw milk cheese. And like Andy was saying, he's like, we might get one of these Pleasant Ridges that's just like mind-blowing. And, and, and why? Because, I don't know, maybe something about that day, maybe that particular patch of grass the cows were on. And I think that'll come through a little bit more with the raw milk cheese. That's what I took away. Nice. And uh, I also, uh, James, I, I agree with you, Ed, but I also know, or in my mind, I also feel like because, because we, we definitely know, you know, those of us with experience and those of us who do the work, we definitely know um, that that's what we want and those are, that's what we want to support. But I think it's always important to just be super vigilant because large organizations that are slowly moving forward are going to continue to move forward and they just sort of try to outlast. They just keep on keep on putting in more legislation or more of this and more of that and try to outlast people's, you know, resolve. So I agree, but I think it's always it's always important for us to remain sort of vigilant and uh, and just keep paying attention to that. And that's why I think we all need to just encourage as many people as we can to fill out that survey, you know? But Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, for the average person hanging out there, non-cheese professional out there listening, go and vote because you could lose the cheeses you love. You really could. Right. And that would be super sad and it'd be bad on a it would just be bad on, on, a, on like a food level in terms of the food you can get and it could you know potentially be like a weird like like I'm sorry I'm searching for the right word but I can't remember right now um, like a bad cultural thing exactly. like no pun intended no you know you, learn, <laughs> nice. you, lose, you lose certain cheeses in the way that they were made and I don't know it's just I, I would be really upset if it happened absolutely um, so did you guys? Um, so who else did you guys visit while you were out there? So you said you visited a Limburger producer. You visited Andy. Um, did you? You also did you visit uh, any dairy farms while you were out there? No. No. Well, I mean, Aunt, I mean Andy's farmstead. So, but we didn't really see any milkings or anything. Um, yeah. It was mostly just visiting the uh, the manufacturers. We did see Emmy Roth, which was. Uh a big one, like right. you were saying the kind of Willy Wonka sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And what what kind of stood out to me there is they said they're transitioning to organic, um, which means they've got to like completely replace their big brine bath. You know, because yep. every step in the chain has to be organic. Sure. And that just seemed like such an enormous undertaking. And it was interesting to hear a big, big, big facility talk about what that means and what it's going to take to go through that. That's that's all. Well, I think another important thing to, to talk about in terms of the uh, visit Emmy Roth was that we weren't allowed to go inside. Yeah. Right. For three years, three years ago, we were allowed. To. Yep. And at the very beginning of the tour, they they said, "Hey," and they they're always almost saying it like somberly, you know, like they're really sad that we couldn't go inside, you know. And they're talking about how you know we take food safety very seriously, and so they don't allow anybody in anymore. You know, except you work there. And uh, so, I mean, there's, I, I think, you know, we've been scared by by everything. 
And so it's to the point now where you can't even go into a cheese-making facility and visit it. And I think that the, uh, Jody Wishy said that she thinks in about 10 years, every even the little tiny guys that we that we visit, they're not going to let you in because it's just the regulations are going to be too strict. Yeah. Now that's brutal. I, I visited I, I visited them a couple of years ago, and it was the same thing. It's just not. I mean, it's wonderful to be in and around the facilities, and and just to know you know the the knowledge that you gain, either if it's a, if it's a, just a guy who loves food like you, Jack, or if it's a professional, you know what I mean, who who can translate that back to their to their customers. Dude, that big glass wall between you and the and the make room is is definitely like a bad harbinger of a harbinger of like the future or as we could go towards it, you know, and that's, I don't like that. I, I don't like that at all. You know, I think we're very scared. I agree with you. Um, but that's why things like that survey and, and information are, are so important. That's why those tours, uh, while they're so awesome to go on and be able to, to eat and, and be in around all of that and get that sensory experience, you got it. It's that information that that's super important, you know? Yeah. But you know what? Uh, it, the other side of the coin, though, is that if those kind of strict regulations come in, you know, we can't go inside cheesemakers' facilities anymore, but we get to keep raw milk and aging on wood, I think I'd take that trade off. Yeah, me too. You know, if they stop hassling us about, you know, us, like I'm a cheesemaker, stop hassling, you know, cheesemakers <laughs> in the cheese industry about, um, you know, about raw milk, uh, you know, I, I would glad I would never step foot in another cheesemaking facility. I'd be sure. like, all right, that's fine. I get it. No, yeah. that's a, that's great, and actually, I agree with you. I agree with you a hundred percent. You know, that's that's and that's a really important point to make. And over at Raleigh's, he was telling us, and James, maybe you know a little bit more about the backstory here, but about all the problems he went through with the wood and his facility. Wait, who again? I'm sorry. At Raleigh's. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, um, they came. Well, oh, shoot, I can't remember, but they, they he didn't test positive for anything, but. It was, uh, he, oh, this is what it was. It was when this the whole uproar started bubbling up again last year. Right. He was one of the loud voices saying, hey, there's nothing wrong with age on wood. Because he had just bought, what was it, like $800,000 worth of wood. Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. And, you know, he knows what he does to his, his wood aging shelves to keep them clean, to keep them safe. And I, you know, and he had just made a huge investment in what makes his cheese his cheese. And here the government was coming in, not to sound like some, oh, the government was coming in guy, but the government was coming in and telling him that you can't, you can't do that. You know, you're not allowed. You know, you can't make the thing that makes you have a livelihood. And so he was obviously upset. And, it, man, what was it, it was like six days later, they were like, okay, okay, the FDA kind of like calmed down. And, but I think that they're just, I think they were stoking the fires. I think they're definitely going to be back. Of course, they're, they're going to be, be back, back. I think with a better a better case in their eyes for not letting us have raw milk and not letting us have cheeses aged on wooden boards. And what's I think it's going to have to get to a point where and this is what a lot of Tom Perry's research I think what he's doing for his BZTA uh, scholarship is trying to make it so we have a foundation in the United States where we can have our own science to back up why it's fine to use wood and raw milk as opposed to having to always run over to Europe and be like, look, tell tell our guys it's cool. Right. You know, tell the FDA it's cool. You've been doing it forever. <laughs> we have to get to a point where we're like, we don't need to rely on the European makers anymore. We can be like, look, we have the evidence. We have the science. It's fine. Back off. 
Yeah. And that's, again, that's why those tours and that's why all of that information provided in those tours is so important. You know, and that's why that's why entities like the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board, um, you know, take you on those things. You know, and um, you know, were, you, how many people were you on the trip with? About a dozen? I think it was about ten, maybe yeah. total. Yeah, uh, like or ten or twelve. Ten or twelve. Uh, ten plus me and Kirsten. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, I mean, what blew me away, really, too, Greg, is like, I think it's so awesome that Wisconsin Milk Marketing brought all these cheesemongers together. Period. Because, like, James, hearing all you guys and all the side conversations you were having, like, that's beautiful stuff to me. And, I mean, it's worth worth all the trouble for Wisconsin Milk Marketing to bring you all together to, to hear those conversations and see those bonds get kind of deeper. I know you all knew each other from the Cheesemonger Invitational, but I don't know. I thought that was awesome. Was that was that the criteria? Were, were there all guys from CMI and gals from CMI, James, on the trip this uh, this time? Yeah, it was uh, top ten finishers from San Francisco and New York this year. Uh, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. So you got to reconnect with some people that you competed with, and uh, and just sort of mix yeah, it up I met with them. New people I hadn't like I hadn't met any of the San Francisco people before. Uh, I'm not really connected to their cheese scene very deeply. Like I know a couple people out there, but. Even being from the West Coast, I just I don't uh, I don't know those those folks very well. I know the Seattle scene very well. <laughs> I was there for seven years, so sure. Um, but I feel almost like I know more of the East Coast cheesemongers now because I've done the East Coast CMI two years now. But yeah, it was great. I mean, I love I love seeing other cheese people because it's you know there's not many of us down here in, in New Orleans, and so things like this for me it's like finding out I don't live in a bubble. Yeah. You know, like I I know intellectually that I don't, but sometimes. It starts to feel like it, and then you get to go to like CMI or one of these trips to the milk with the milk marketing board, and you're like, "Oh, my people! I get to be with my gente." And uh, yeah. it's just, uh, it's it's always a great feeling. It's always a great feeling. I love seeing my people. That's why travel and che- that's why travel is so important, or that's why that those community oriented things are so important because we work really hard, and uh, and it's, we sort of we're not we are in a bubble a little bit, you know. We we get into it and. Uh, as Jack, I'm sure you can attest. Like you know, we're we're kind of we're we're kind of into what we do. Those cheesemongers. Oh yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. When when the cheese tours were done and it was later at night, I mean, people st- were still talking about cheese. Like it, it, it never stopped, and that's unbelievable and awesome. I mean, and then also, James, I'm wondering, like, I'm guessing for a cheesemonger. I mean, you said you've been before, but it's got to be easier to sell some of this cheese uh, and be passionate about it once you've seen it being made, like, right in front of you. Oh, 100 percent. Like, that's that's another one of the, like, totally invaluable parts of visiting cheesemakers. You can love their cheese. You can have had, you know, you could have tasted their cheese a hundred times and know everything about it. But then something... There's something weird and intrinsic when you when you when you when you talk face to face to these people that makes you just want to sell it even more. You know, you once you've met someone who makes it, you know, it's like, you know, when you're when you're selling it on the counter, sometimes the first thing you say about this cheese, like, oh, I've met I've met the, I met the yep. woman who made this, I met the man who made this. You go, oh, they're the best, you know. And you just you instinctively, it just kind of comes out of you that you you've formed this relationship with this person, and so you just want to help them. And so you want to sell their cheese, and uh, it's—I mean, I can't—I can't stress enough how important it is to sea makers for mongers. Um, it, it just—it does something to you that I—that just makes you want to sell their cheese more. And 
I, I mean, that's it. That's all I can say about that. Really, it's it's just it's 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 a it's a thing that happens. It's undeniable. Customers want in on that relationship, and when you tell them that you that this is made by a friend of mine, they want in on that. You know, they they that's like. One of the little Jedi mind tricks of selling anything. You, know, like, <laughs> you, know, yeah. you mean like I grew this myself or I made this myself or I know the people who made that. And when it's not just total BS because it isn't and you really believe it, that comes through and it's easier to sell that product. Um, it's really, really good. And I, I love the sensory experience. That's what I, what I love most. I love being around the making of cheese because just the little sense and the little uh, flavors and textures I get when I'm at the counter – um, they bring me back to when I'm at those farms or when I'm in those make rooms or around those people who make it. And it just makes it that much more special for me, you know? So. Absolutely. I'll tell you, I'll never forget uh, what it smelled like walking into that Limburger room. <laughs> for sure. That was awesome. Yeah, it, was, right. it was awesome, too. I love it. <laughs> well, you know what it's like? It's like uh, I feel like a car enthusiast or like, uh, like a motorcycle enthusiast or something like that. Like, say you're a big fan of like a certain... I don't know. Say you're like a Moto Guzzi fan, man, and then you finally get to go to Italy and go to the like the Moto Guzzi plant. You're like, oh, this is where they're all born. This is where they're all made. It's it's kind of like that, I think, for me with with, with visiting cheese places. Um, you get to see where it all comes from because you're just ultimately. I mean, you, you, most cheesemongers get into it because you just you kind you kind of become a fan of cheese, and you know you kind of root for cheese and you pull for cheese because it's been a weird. It has a weird cultural place right now in the United States. There's really awesome cheese being made here all over the country, but I don't quite think the country knows it yet. Um, the general public, I think, has no idea what's going on under the surface. I can't wait to see what happens in the next five, 10, 20 years in terms of cheese and retail cheese consumption and where all these great cheeses end up in, in, in homes across America. And I think I think that they will. I think that this is a we're on an upswing, and if the SDA doesn't throw a cog in our wheel i think it'll be it'll be really exciting you know next few years yeah we're not going anywhere dude we're around to stay <laughs> <laughs> well i want to thank both of you guys james thanks so much for giving us a little bit of your time today really totally appreciate yeah, it yeah and uh jack you know thanks just for being you being the man and uh <laughs> thanks man you know and uh, i'm glad you guys had a great trip um thanks wisconsin milk marketing board as always uh stay tuned uh, next week for more cutting the curd take care thanks